Ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender expressions, thank you for checking out the North Bank Media Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Strevens. Joining me on the show this afternoon was Derek Lady. Derek is running for City Council in Edmonton in Ward 7, also known as CP Winniewalk. Uh, important to note that the wards in Edmonton are getting realigned on election night, so pay attention to what ward you are in and uh, get out and vote. Um. Derek's an entrepreneur, business owner, who's, this is his first foray into public life. Um, and so it was great to sit down and talk to somebody about why they think that would be a good idea and kind of what their vision is for, for what they could do for the city and, and for their ward specifically. Um, very easy guy to get a hold of, very easy guy to talk to, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I think maybe it exposed some weakness in me as an interviewer, um, just because I tried to do a deep dive on some of these issues, but uh, found it difficult to, to be informed. So uh, he was more than willing to sort of educate me on what I didn't know, which is kind of what I hoped for for this podcast from the beginning. So um, we kind of got in the weeds early about public transit uh, and then got into some more personal and larger scale stuff and then sort of rounded it out toward the end on more, um, you know, civic issues, if you will, uh, Really would recommend if you're in Ward 7 to uh, take a look at Derek, uh, see what he stands for. He made it quite clear at the end that he disagrees with the incumbent, Sarah Hamilton, on a lot of things. Um, things that the average person might maybe not know about, like I didn't know about, but would I think find important. So definitely listen to the end for some of those things and uh, educate yourself even more than I did. <laughs> and enjoy this conversation with Derek Lady. challenge to get um, to get yourself out there and people to get to know you right sure so especially in today's stage of uh, social media it's uh, you know they kind of everybody kind of wants to pigeonhole you a bit and so (laughs) I do I have definitely found it a challenge so I look forward to this kind of uh, longer or more in-depth interview I feel like that's a better opportunity to well I I think that's what politicians need now, because like you say, it's all just sound bites and, and put up, put this guy in a box and decide if we like him or not. Yeah. And the, and the world seems to like echo chambers now. Right. Oh, so yeah. if you, if you're, if you're exactly what we say, then we like you. And if you're not, you're uh, against us. So. Right. Right. Well, I got to say, I have my doubts, I think about politics at scale, like national or provincial, but yeah. do do you feel like maybe municipal or civic politics is a place where you could actually affect some real change? That's the only reason I'm doing it. That's I would have no interest in in uh, in provincial or, or or federal politics because mm-hmm. I don't think one person can really make a difference. I feel mm-hmm. like the system is too. Uh, I don't like the party system. Mm-hmm. I feel like the party system misrepresents the people, and I feel like issues get issues get uh, divisive because uh, it's our team versus your team versus what's best for. Uh, constituents and so i that the the only reason i would consider it is on the municipal level because purely because i think that it it, uh, it you know it could be worthwhile and i can i come i could be completely delusional right yeah <laughs> i know we, maybe it's useless maybe even on the municipal level uh it you know one person it's useless anyway and so i'll run my i'll if i win and, and i and i find that's the case i'll run my four years and and uh, mm-hmm. and not bother uh, doing 
if I can't be useful, then I might as well do something else. Sure, sure. Well, honestly, if you get in and then in four years you can't do a thing, let's talk again and then I'll give up on politics completely because then we know it's okay. a sham. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to try. And that's, have to. and that's what you came to for me, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. looking at your bio, like you, you're from a, you come from a business background, uh, you know, oil and gas construction business. When did you decide to kind of put that on the back burner and, and make a run at public life? January. January. <laughs> this January? Yeah. What are yeah. you, crazy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why yeah. Why did that occur to you to do that? Um, well, so it's been a, it's been a, uh, it's, it's been a long time. Uh, process of me I've had no never had any ambitions of becoming a politician Mm -hmm. it's just been a long process of me um I've always watched uh you know paid attention okay right um so I've I've you know been active that way and I guess I guess I guess what I saw repeatedly in Edmonton was things um things going in a direction that I felt was a bit off on a tangent okay. and they, and they kind of needed to be, um, and, and we kind of needed to bring some stuff back to, uh, back to grounded, more grounded, a little mm-hmm. bit more, um, reality kind of sure. um, stuff. And, and so I, I felt like there's been a, like a lot of a pushing of an agenda, on to people as opposed to uh as opposed to working with people you know what i mean mm. sure my vision for the city and this is what i want for the city not so much is what do the people of the city want and and that's where i feel like there's been some disconnect mm. and so um when when this past uh fall and uh Jan- you know the announcements were made by there was a number of um there were, you know, Don said he was stepping down. We've known that for a little while, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and there were a lot of the other counselors that were saying they were going to. And it looked like there was kind of time for a change, I mm-hmm. guess I could see in there. Like there was a wave of change up, about to happen. And so I thought, you know, a friend of mine suggested, why don't you run? And, <laughs> and I gave it some thought and I talked with a few people. My wife was pretty hesitant about it. <laughs> um, and so... <laughs> Uh, and I just, you know, but I thought, why, why not? I guess. So. Why not? I mean, better to, better to, at least like you say, throw your hat in the ring and maybe you can, maybe God willing, you could do something if, if now. Well, there's the only 13 people, right? True. In our city council, there's 13 people. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's a lot of bureaucracy and stuff, you know, behind the scenes other than those 13 counselors. Right. Mm-hmm. But in a, in, in, in a decision-making group of 13 people, one person should be able to at least have some influence. You know what I mean? You're not driving the narrative, but, but at least you have a voice Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, that maybe isn't being heard. Right. So. And do most motions in council require like a, just a majority to get passed? Most are a simple majority. So seven. So you could hold out potentially on something you felt strongly about or. Well, there are some, there are definitely some of those, you know, some of those uh, motions that are passed with seven votes. And mm-hmm. and so ultimately one person, one way or the other is the deciding vote. And there are definitely those, those issues. And I'm sure they'll continue to be those ones. Right? <laughs> For so. sure. So looking at your, looking at your kind of bio and your issues on your page, you, it seems, and you said it already is like the, the vision for Edmonton is kind of starting to skew away from the people and more to some kind of, Council and and the mayor sort of getting making it a personal 
uh, agenda? Are there certain uh, issues or that you've seen in the last few years that really stuck out to you as being like not serving the people and more just uh, some kind of grandiose? So, yeah, there there are definitely some. So so uh, for sure, uh, for me, I question the uh, viability of Edmonton having a downtown focused hub and spoke design city. Okay. And the reason I say that is my, I mean, sort of also being in business, I've also never been afraid to work with my hands and, uh, and being involved in, uh, in construction and oil and gas in, uh, you know, those kinds of things. And Edmonton, uh, has always been known as an industrial city, uh, uh, I know the things get uh, like a blue collar city, uh, sure. you know, an everyday kind of person, kind of a city. Yep. And so, while I originally uh, welcomed a focus on revitalizing, our downtown suffered for a long time, right? Oh, yeah. Our downtown was neglected. People weren't going down there. Uh, there was, you know, things were a lot of disrepair. A lot of our inner, uh, older neighborhoods and inner city were 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 really um, needing some some uh, attention mm-hmm. and focus. And so when there was initial push for us to do that, and, and I know Stephen Mandel was, was driving a bunch of that uh, stuff, especially with the arena and whatever, mm-hmm. I was personally uh, behind it. I thought that, you know, that was definitely an area where Edmonton was being neglected. Sure. And, and then it kind of seemed to go from being, oh, yeah, well, we need to take care of that to being, well, that's all that's important. <laughs> and that's, I guess, the, the difference where I, I felt is that... Mm-hmm. So while we need to take care of it, it's still not all that's important, right? We still have, and I've heard I've heard of numerous people say, well, people live in the suburbs because they can't afford to live downtown. And I completely disagree with that. And the majority of, and I know there, there probably are those cases, mm-hmm. but the majority of people that I, that I know um, live in the suburbs and the majority of them live in the suburbs because they don't want to live downtown. That's right. not their vision of the city. That's mm-hmm. not what they're into. And, and, and our plan um, our, our city plan doesn't really, it doesn't really address the people that, you know, that work that, that like construction trades, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of, those kinds of jobs that don't, you know, that aren't interested in going downtown, aren't interested in spending, living in a, living in an apartment and spending a day in an office that, you know, I, I get that, that we need to have, we need to take those people into account as well, but we, but we seem to miss out on, or, or for whatever reason, not want to look at the other things. The fact that the fact of the matter is the opportunities for people of all uh, backgrounds and um, status and whatever are huge outside of the traditional, you know, go to get a four year degree at university and get a job at an office somewhere and whatever. Like mm-hmm. I know I, in my life, I I've known thousands of people that have gotten ahead really well, started with nothing, mm-hmm. worked through a trade or worked through, a, uh, you know, some, whether it's heavy equipment offering or oil patch or, mm-hmm. or, or car, you know, whatever. And then, and then went on to become self-employed and, um, and, or start a business and, and, uh, and never, never saw the inside of the university and are successful. And those barriers to entry are super low. So it's super easy for, if you look at, if you look at Edmonton's construction scene right now, you'll find every uh, subsect of people represented in that industry right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so I feel like we, 
kind of push that out and ignore it, right? The, the fact that in our society today, um, somehow industrial jobs or that kind of thing or, 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 or quote unquote blue collar work is somehow looked at as second tier mm. to, to, uh, to an office or, or whatever, regardless of the fact that there's more money in blue collar work, you don't <laughs> have student loan debt or much student loan debt attached sure. to it. Or I, I have guys that work for me. I mean, I have a law student that works for me. I've got other universities and they come and they, cause they can make a lot of money through the summers and they leave and they leave school without that level of debt. Mm. Right. And, and, and again, helps them you know once they even once they've gotten into their chosen careers that 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 um that boost in the not being afraid to work with your hands right has, has helped them along if you're enjoying this conversation please subscribe on youtube and give us a like if you're listening on apple podcasts please subscribe and leave a five-star review and now back to the conversation right on and you would have to say that population of edmonton probably majority is blue collar workers right well, I think I don't, you know, I don't have the demographics, but from the people I know, I'd still say that is our majority. And yet, right. and yet our, our, uh, our transit system, especially mm-hmm. um, our, our, our whole city design and our focus doesn't address that at all. And that's, I guess, the, you know, some of the problems I see with, with that plan. Right. Right, right, right. So the transit system for one, you're, it's, it's more operating in the central part of the city, but it's, it's a hub and spoke. Look at the sure. hub and spoke design, right. It's designed to get people in and out of downtown and and at the expense of getting people other places right we don't have an unlimited transit budget we don't have an unlimited bucket of money we can draw from mm-hmm. and not that people don't need to come downtown and i recognize that the higher density of downtown adds per square kilometer adds to the tax base but that again that's not sure that's not the uh that's not the edmonton that everybody wants right mm-hmm. uh, so so is there one kind of major shift or is there one step in that direction that you kind of foresee making it a city for the people uh, across the city? Well, what would I like to see? Yeah. Or or what would you advocate for? So transit for one, I, I think that, I think that we need to address how we're doing that. And I think, I think that, um, I think that we're, we're doing a kind of a, a bit of a poor job. There's a big rush to install. We were behind the game. the, The, when it came to LRT, for instance, for sure. we, we, were, we were definitely behind Edmonton uh, where we needed to be. And there were some other projects that were on the books. For instance, there uh, books, there was a, there was a line planned. Uh, the previous council had a line plan to go from Millwood to the West end, right? Straight through the, down the white mud, right. And a train station nowhere near downtown. And it, and, and I thought, Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Right. A, a high speed line that could take people again, especially if it, it's able to assist people who are starting out and getting, you know, and don't, and, and don't uh, have the money or, or, or maybe it's a better option. They're like people that just don't want to sit in traffic. Right. And, and for me, that's what we should be looking at is trying to get, make a better option instead of a, instead of forcing people. But, but that, you know, that was one of the ones that I feel like if we could revitalize that particular one, I, that's probably, we've probably missed the boat on that now sure. and interfere with some of the other stuff that they already have. So mm-hmm. I feel like that, we missed the boat on the north side the north side gets neglected a lot i know that i don't live on the north side but the north side gets neglected a lot when it comes to transportation options especially and Mm. and so um you know again it's all blue collar workers up on the north side for for the most part right and Mm -hmm. and uh and 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 it does it does get neglected a lot right um so yeah so those are the kinds of um 
that's the kind of directions I'd like to push. I have some other bigger ideas. Sure. That I think. <laughs> you want to roll them out? So the other one, the the previous council at one point had uh, had opted to or had plans to um, to annex the uh, airport. Right. And I don't know how, like, I, so I've traveled a fair bit, right? I enjoy traveling and going places. And mm-hmm. the majority of places you go to when you fly in, you can catch a train to get to where you need to go. And, sure. And the fact that we don't have that here in Edmonton, you know, and we're building all these other things, I, to me that we, sh- we shouldn't have dropped that plan. And if there's some way to revitalize that particular idea, I'm certainly, um, I'm certainly interested in exploring it, right? Sure. Uh, at least looking at the numbers and making sure that made sense, but having a, having an airport, a transportation hub, especially if we get that new high speed train as well. Right? right. And if you thought about the South side, and uh, and having that that the, tr- the high speed train to go to to get from Red Deer to Calgary and the, mm-hmm. and the airport and you could if you could get from there into into onto our another uh, you know subway system so if you could get it to there onto 100 the 111 Street train and right. take that up and then hook up to the White Mud and go to the West End whatever it would make it would make getting around relatively easy without the need of adding the excess cars on the road and stuff so for sure. I thought I had heard that that LRT line that's going out to 41st Ave now, like South, there's still, there's still the potential that they could take that out to the airport. It's not dead. Yeah, no, it's not dead for sure. And I think that I, I'm under the same impression that that isn't, that isn't dead. It's, Mm. there's no plans for it at the moment. Right. You know, that the idea isn't dead. So though, I I guess if you ask, what was I good, what would I uh, push for in light of what we've currently got, you know, either built or, or contracted out, Mm -hmm. it would be, it would be more more service to places other than to just downtown. Sure, right on, right on. Now, is this kind of is the overarching kind of issue here is that we, as a society, do need to get to more of these mass transit systems because we know that the automobile is probably uh, the, the population grows, the amount of cars on the road grow, it just becomes unsustainable. Is that kind of the in the back of people's minds here? Well, I think it, I think it has to be, I mean, let's be honest, right? I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 47. I grew up watching, you know, all car shows and, mm-hmm. you know, came up in car culture and, you know, I mean, it, you know, cars and, and vehicles have been, have been uh, a way of life for sure. Right. I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, uh, uh, however, you know, we have to start addressing the fact that when you look at the major uh, cities that have too many cars, when you look at, I don't know, like you go down to LA or, sure. you know, places like that. And like, you know, it, it, it is a bit societally unsustainable for everybody to have their own personal automobile and be driving, you know what I mean? They're on the roads. And then it, we built all this infrastructure in the fifties, sixties and seventies primarily. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and now we're like, okay, so not only do we have to build new infrastructure as the population grows, but now we have to start replacing that stuff too. So the costs become ridiculously high. And, and again, not that, not that, um, not that buses don't need roads as well, or, yeah. or you know, and, and you're always going to have that. But I think that, I think that as far as transportation goes, you know, we have to start making better options for people so they can choose to leave a car at home maybe a family doesn't need two cars maybe they can get away with one car right mm-hmm. we're still in edmonton we're still going to have winters we're still going to have you know weather to deal with and stuff like right. that but, but but perhaps i mean the cost of these cars is getting ridiculous too and so you know i mean i i have a truck for work right and i mm-hmm. I, I drive a, a 2015 truck and that same truck if i was to go 
to replace it today, mm-hmm. go to GM and replace my diesel truck today. It's a hundred thousand dollars for a, for a new truck like that. You know what I mean? Like, so these costs are, are unsustainable for society too. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, um, long-term a hundred years from now, I, I just don't see how everybody having their own personal cars like we do now with population growth. I don't see how that's sustainable. So, Right. But there's like a, there seems to be a stigma, I guess, around transit or like some of these blue collar guys that you're talking about. Part of that identity is to own the car, own the truck, drive wherever I want, exactly whenever I want. And to see, to take transit is sort of seen as somewhat of a weakness or you're relying on society a bit too much. I mean, I guess it's a, like you say, it could be a hundred year shift to get us away from that thinking. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. We've kind of, we're spoiled for a number of years of everybody having their own car or whatever and being able to come and go. And, and, Mm -hmm. and I, and I think that, you know, we have to, we have to address the fact that because we've been spoiled with those options, it's going to be tough to take that away. And so I think that I, I actually really look forward to the day when we have just an autonomous uh, Uber style pods or something like that, or you just pay a car service mm-hmm. and you punch the thing in and, and, a, and, a, and a, an autonomous vehicle could come pick you up and take you there because for basic transportation, for getting yourself to work or getting your kids to school or whatever, you don't need uh, something, you know, something really large. You look at, mm-hmm. you look at in a lot of Asia and stuff like that. These, these people are running around on scooters all yeah. over the place right you know what i mean they have the same autonomy to go come and go as they please but each person takes up a whole lot less space on the on the road right yes. now of course climate wise they're better i'm a motorcycle guy so i'm oh, well yeah. aware that we're limited on on uh, on how many days in a year that are practical to ride your motorcycle mm-hmm. but uh but you know at the at the same time um between the stigma and the affordability and the stuff, I, I mean, we, we, you know, we have to just start considering that that shift that can't last forever. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so. Right. Just like the horse and carriage went away. So too. with Yeah. <laughs> but it went away because of a better option. Sure. So, sure. You know, and, and that's how we have to look at it. I mean, that, that's a really good analogy, right? So the horse and carriage went away because it was preferred mm-hmm. and it was easier to start the car and drive the car mm-hmm. than it was to feed the horse and get the horse to, you sure. know, and, and the car provided, then we had cars with, with uh, liquid cooling that we could provide interior heat. Right. And, sure. and, and that made that more enjoyable. And then we, you know, and then as we've gotten on, now we're at the point where, 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 you know, your seats are heated and cooled and you're, and you've got your own private space and you listen to your own music and you listen to your own, whatever and you and nobody can disturb you and you can have your own private oasis inside of your car Mm -hmm. and so it's tough to try to say but we want you to sit on mass transit with a bunch of other people because it's going to feel like a downgrade right yeah people aren't going to willingly want to take what feels like a downgrade so that's why i feel like we another problem we do with our lrt is it definitely becomes a downgrade and we need to do what we can to uh address that so it feels like oh well why do i bother taking a car right mm-hmm. so i mean right now, if you look at if you google right now what's on the horizon for mass transit there's some cool stuff that people are doing right now right right on in dubai there's so there's a it's like a 10 person kind of a bus on a what's a cross between like a gondola and a monorail and it's a and it goes 150 kilometers an hour uh across and it's electrically powered 
mm-hmm. and it and it and it stays above the traffic and it stays whatever. There's no need for stopping at lights or or intersections or whatever. And it's and it's uh, and it, and you you know and and you could go from you know one side of the city to the other in way less time and not and feel like oh well why would I bother driving my car right. when I can just hop on on one of these? And so there's there's things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's 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 driverless bus uh, BRT. Uh, coming up as well right and so throwing all our eggs in one basket and designing a mass transit system today that's going to be good for the next 50 to 100 years is a bit a bit foolish as well because all we're going to end up with is outdated technology when you're like well why don't we hold off on some of these things till this till this technology gets a little better and Mm -hmm. then we can you know employ those things that are going to be a little bit more uh, future friendly than than just the you know the old technology from the 70s no doubt. Yeah, yeah. You're almost behind the times. By the time you get it funded and get construction underway, you well, know. the new line is behind the times before they even started it, right? <laughs> the, that, the is that the Valley Line or is that? Yeah, the West, the Valley Line West. Is, sure. I mean, it's, it's it's old technology before they even started it. So, um, I I know there's some counselors that took offense to me that didn't like me knocking the Valley <laughs> Line West because well. they put so much. I get and I recognize that they mm-hmm. put a lot of effort and a lot of work, and I. I'm not trying to uh, insult or offend or sure. any of these things. And I understand that their intention behind what they were doing was, was really um, admirable. Mm-hmm. However, we had originally talked about putting a high speed line in the West end and that became, well, we can't do that. And right. then we became this trolley car. And, and, um, and the, the, the truth is that, if that is the best option we could have done right now, we'd have been better off waiting a decade mm. and then putting in something better than pushing that through right now. And I guess that's how I feel about that. And I know that we need it. And I know that, you know, and again, I go back to like some of these other future lines that are, uh, you know, that are coming in and, and perhaps in a decade when the technology is better, because in 10 years from now, when we could have had that at, at, at uh, 15 million a kilometer, it's pretty cheap to put mm. it in as well. Um, would we be better off of waiting the decade and just living with what we've got for 10 more years and then having something far superior? Mm-hmm. Or are we better off rushing this project? It's going to take us five years to do it or four years to do it anyway. Right. So, so by the time we're finished it, uh, I, I just, and I struggle with the amount of money we've spent on it. Right. right? To the so, tune of like two, over $2 billion I saw. Last I heard we're up to 2.7 on it. Right. And so it, it's so much money. Um, Anyway, like I said, I'm not trying to offend any no. of the current counselors. Like I know there was a couple that probably, you know, they said, "Well, we argued this," and I did. They spent three years or whatever, four years, mm-hmm. you know, debating this, and this is what we got. And and so that length of time it took in that time, mm-hmm. to me, the project just becomes a non, you know, non-viable because the 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 the, um, the cost benefit just isn't there. And you know, like we discussed earlier, if we want to get people into LRT, we have to start making LRT more attractive for them to want to leave their cars behind. And that's the only way we're going to succeed with better mass transit is to make a better system that people are like, well, why would I bother driving my car right. when I can sit in this comfortable thing and it'll take me straight to work and I don't have to worry about traffic. I can have a nap on my way home. I can, you know, sure. I can read book. I can, you know, catch up on the news and I don't have to worry about any of that stress of driving, you know, so it it seems a lot like you know toronto for one new york i imagine that's more readily accepted like i've like you said i've been to toronto i've taken the train from the airport to 
wherever I was going. And it, maybe those are older cities where that's more baked into the, or maybe it's a demographic thing, you know? Well, they also have a better system. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, not Toronto's is okay, but New York, have you been to New York? I have not, no. So New York system is phenomenal. So when I, when uh, and I've gone to New York uh, a couple of times, mm-hmm. I love their subway system. Okay. And it doesn't, and, and it's so, it's so much easier and less work than trying to drive mm. that, you know, we took some cabs here and there, but when we had to go from uh, one side to another, mm. yeah, you know, we, or you go out to a Dodgers game or, you know, or uh, sorry, a uh, Yankees game, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wrong city, wrong side. <laughs> anyway, you go to a Yankees game or you go to the Bronx or you go, um, you know, wherever, you know, you, that the, the subway system, the multi-level underground subway system that they have mm. is phenomenal. The trouble is, is that, they built that system at a time when construction was a lot cheaper and, and, and to retrofit an underground system like that now would be just like portable. The cost would be, would be, would be so much that right. there's no way we could afford it. So we'd have to, we have to look at something different than adopting that system. Mm-hmm. Now, am I correct in that a lot of the, this Valley line or uh, it's coming down Jasper Ave for part of it. Is that why Jasper Ave is snarled up right now with construction? Or yeah, that's they're installing the stuff right. for the tracks. I don't know at what stage of the construction, but that's what that is. It's coming down there. Is there an issue with routing there? Like, there's only so many roads out of downtown, right? Why, why Jasper? You know, <laughs> uh, you know what I <laughs> I've asked a lot of the same questions. Mm. I don't, you know, being not part of the uh, being not part of that discussion, mm-hmm. uh, I can't speak to uh, to the route. I know that the uh, metro line um, and and cutting off emergency access to a hospital with an empty train uh, was was uh, was you know, was uh, not to throw Stephen Mandel. Who I like Stephen Mandel, but mm-hmm. not to throw Stephen Mandel under the bus. But my understanding was not being in the room was that he just took a red marker to a map and says, this is where I want the line. Wow. Right. Because he was trying to, the, <laughs> it was, it was an attempt to, uh, we're trying to uh, develop that airport area. Right. And right. So if you wanted to get rid of the airport and put the line in there and, and, and that was kind of the intent. And I, you know, the fact that we cut off the hospital and we snarled up traffic was secondary concern to, um, <laughs> to try to develop that. So, right. Well, that's, you know, it's easy to rag on, politicians and, and, and all that, but it's not like it's easy either. Nope, I think it's sure. almost impossible actually to do that job. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, you know what? Maybe, I don't mm. know. Like I said, we'll talk in four years. Sure. If I win and I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll let you know, I'm like, it's not, it's hard, but not impossible is what I'm hoping. <laughs> and if it's impossible, we'll be like, I'm not running again. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend it. Well, yeah. Yeah, well, that'd yeah. be that'd be cool to hear some stories from the inside as much as you can somewhere down the road. I, I was lucky enough that when Rogers Place was being built, I worked on the production crew that did the documentary about it, and so we, you know, some of our guys were in some of those high level council meetings, and it, things get a plan gets so big that it becomes impossible to manage uh, adequately. I think, and it just in the end, it just it just it's over and we're done, and we did the best we could. I thought we did a good job with 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 the ice district and Rogers, though, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a I'm a hockey fan, and so and uh, and like I said, I thought we needed that revitalization down there. I feel mm-hmm. like that's done a lot. I mean, the CRL helped pay for a lot of that too, right? Yep. So, uh, you know, I I I I 
I know there's people that are still against the uh, Rogers. I, I was never one of them. I always felt like if we can make this work financially, it's going to be good for Edmonton. And I think that they accomplished that, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe it's not perfect, but I feel like they did accomplish the goal on that one. I, I agree. And tell me what you think about this. Like Edmonton as a city is about what, a hundred years old. Like that's, yeah. That's quite young in in terms of globally what what other cities are, you know, in Europe or whatever, right. Asia. Is it like it's small town th- small early stage thinking that eventually you just have to there's going to be those growing pains as we seek to become a, an old city in the next, you know, 1 2 300 years if we make it that far. Well, I you know what, and trying to I guess the trick is trying to uh retain what makes Edmonton a cool place, mm. what is good about Edmonton, um, and and while still, you know, growing and adapting for the future and the challenges we have in the future. And I mean, certainly, uh, certainly, you know, we, we have to start addressing the impacts of climate change, right? Mm. You know, I, I, yep. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I might be, um, I might be behind and not in tune with a lot of people where I feel like I, I know there's a lot of people out there that feel like we need to start trying to reverse climate change. And I feel like that ship has sailed yep. and we need to, we need to focus on the addressing, you know what I mean? We're in Edmonton, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're a million people inside of a, inside of a sparsely populated country <laughs> that, um, you know, that ultimately everything we do here is more, um may give us some moral authority to tell somebody else they're doing the wrong thing but as far as actual concrete difference it's making on a global problem we're not big enough to make a difference mm-hmm. however despite whether we're a million people or a hundred thousand people we still have the effects of of climate change to deal with and so mm-hmm. um you know that you know and 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 the, just like the effects of of change in in um our oil our 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 chief um uh, industry in the oil and gas right and um again we have to accept that that industry by everybody's projection that industry is not living forever right so pipeline and stuff they add some economic benefit now and and for the next while but no matter what model you look at the the global demand for fossil fuels goes down at some point. And, and so do we wait until there's completely nothing left, but dust and our, and our town is a ghost town before we start addressing the fact that that money is not going to come in forever. Or do we make some adjustments, you know, now so that we're better prepared Mm. for that. Right. That's, that's well said. I, I think you're right too. It's like a lot of it becomes a moral debate and you're right. We can't really make a difference, especially if countries, uh, like Asia, in Asia, India, continue to produce carbon like they do. It doesn't matter what we do. You know, you could wipe your ass with the same palm leaf for the rest of your life or whatever. It wouldn't yeah. make a difference. It wouldn't make a difference. Yeah, I mean, the facts the facts don't change. I mean, every Canadian could die tomorrow mm. and we would do we would produce zero carbon and our sure. carbon sink would be incredible and, and, and climate change wouldn't have any effect, right? Mm. That's that's the true reality about the insignificance about a, a sparsely populated country like Canada. And, and so not only what they're doing in Asia, I mean, you also got to consider what China is doing in Africa, right? Which is China is heavily involved in the industrialization of Africa at the moment. Mm. And you, and, and, and so 
And so uh, not to get into global politics too much or anything, but, but they all but one, they have infrastructure projects uh, in all but one African nation right now. And they are the most, they're the most active. uh, They are the most active participant in their building dams and roads and bridges and stuff in Africa, like crazy. And, And again, not to get into the geopolitical side of things and about, you know, control or whatever, but the reality is, is that there's, there's a, is it 1. 1. 1.3 something billion people in Africa mm-hmm. that they, you know, industrialization is they're looking forward to it because it means yeah. for a better quality of life for them. Well, with industrialization comes pollution and with that comes, comes carbon. And mm-hmm. so they're not building, you know, they're, they're, what are they building for power plants? They're coal. Is right? that right? Well, coal and gas. Sure. They're not building a bunch of nuclear plants because that's <laughs> the only way we're getting carbon free is to go everything nuclear. And and uh, they're not they're not building those so so where that doesn't even factor into the, everybody's math. So again, mm-hmm. I go back to our, we're kind of insignificant as far as affecting change goes, but we we're not insignificant as far as the results go. I just feel like we need to start spending our efforts on 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 you know mitigating the result the the you know the outcomes of that rather than thinking we can prevent them. Hundred percent. So, is, to circle back to the start of that, is there something then that we can do in Edmonton to make it um, more more friendly for other industries to move in? Whether I guess it's probably tech at this point, you know, to, so we can start having, like you say, that revenue and that economy running when oil and gas, you know, eventually just becomes a thing of the past. Well, it's got to be tech, and I mean the other thing we are too. The other thing that we started doing in Edmonton that is good is this transportation hub, right? And mm-hmm. so it's inviting more of the Amazon and the stuff like that, right? Sure. And I realize that those are those are more product oriented rather than service oriented. They don't want to offer a ton of extra work to the area as far as as far as economic benefit goes, but mm-hmm. but there is the construction and stuff that goes along with that. Mm-hmm. There is staffing, there is that, and so it's attracting those. Uh, those those kinds of um, businesses, you know, here, right? It is it is there are, you know, that is the future of, of, mm-hmm. of you know civilized business or whatever. It's all online and yep. and you know warehouse based and whatever. So, you know, if we can develop, if we can uh, foster that, we're we're going to be further ahead for sure, right? No, so, no doubt. Um, I'm curious if. Uh, if did politics, I know you said it never occurred to you, but did it, did it feel like the natural uh, step for you as far as like you were an entrepreneur, you, you obviously are not afraid to take some risks running a business, managing people. Did this kind of occur to you as you got older? It was like, I can do this. Whereas maybe 10, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have felt that way. Uh, you know, I, not to be, um, not to be, uh, not to come off as arrogant or whatever. I, there's really very little that I've ever thought, oh, I can't do this. It, nice. Some stuff has just never occurred to me or I've never desired to do it, mm-hmm. but there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of, I mean, it's sort of being six feet tall and, yeah, you, know, sure. <laughs> you know, more, you know, I've never, you know, yeah, we can be on the silly stuff. Like I'm, you know, right. I, I'm a good, I'm a better uh, hockey watcher than I am a player. Mm-hmm. You know? So <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody's giving me a contract to watch hockey. So, uh, you know, those beyond those kinds of things, but Mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, I don't really think it's something that, uh, I would have said, Oh, I wouldn't have been able to do this before. I just, it just didn't dawn on me or, you know, it didn't occur to me. I got you. So do you have a relationship with anybody who's in council right now, or is, have you had an inside look at that? Do you know some of those guys or you've run across them? Well, I've talked to, I didn't know anybody ahead of time. Mm. 
I, I, I didn't know anybody ahead of time. I have spoke to uh, like a number of the current and former uh, counselors. Okay. As well as, you know, the I try to reach out to the majority of the mayoral candidates. Some of them are more, um, you know, open to conversations or, or, mm. or care or whatever than not. Um, mm. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've had conversations with, uh, with Michael Austria. I've had conversations mm. with Mike Nichol, Kim Cashel, Cheryl Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked with Andrew Mack. I've talked with, you know, and a, a few of the others. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a pick inside or pick and team kind of a person. Like, so. Sure. Well, that's kind of the refreshing thing, I guess, about civic politics is that it shouldn't be a, a team picking side. You should all be pulling in the same direction, even if you feel differently about the issues. Well, and that I guess that's my take on it too. Is that is that you know everybody I think gets into uh, municipal politics for the same reason is that is that um, you know you're trying to make the city a better place. We just might all have different you know perspectives on how that happens, and mm-hmm. and which is which is good, which is better for the city. The city isn't one isn't one group of people. So ultimately, those those twelve people and the mayor mm-hmm. should represent the all million people that live here right that's right. you know and, and we're a diverse people and so therefore we should have a diverse uh council and and everybody got voted in by a group of people so all those voices are worth hearing right so yep 100 percent. and are you you must do do you do a fair bit of like door knocking and actually talking to people in your ward that's it, as much as i can i mean i was yeah. doing a lot before and then we had the other lockdowns and i chose right. to not not do it during there mm-hmm. and then uh once those restrictions have gone off um here this month um i've done as as much as i can it's also a busy time for me with work as well as sure. my um my kids sports were, yeah, yeah. were they were uh on hold during that time and so we've had we've had hockey baseball and rugby oh damn um, they <laughs> so like, evenings are, are pretty busy so i'm oh, i'm yeah. getting out as much as i have uh, been able to but right on the kid stuff ends right away and so i've told everybody i mean september october it's got to be every day right uh, the the election so right 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 how many kids you have i have two okay i have have a a older one uh in calgary from previous marriage but i have two years all right on yeah and that's you got to put those you got to put family first right even if you're aspiring they always have to come first right Right. and so i had a campaign event i had to go to so i made sure to get to the rugby game and leave i kept a a change of clothes in my my Uh, truck yeah you know pants and a nicer shirt on to go to the from there straight to the campaign but the kids had to come first so right on that's great stuff i I would think too when you are outdoor knocking and meeting meeting people their concerns are probably family centric like these bigger issues that we're getting into transit blah 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 density versus sprawl that doesn't necessarily affect the average person if you confront them at their door right it's kind of like well how can we make a better life for me and my family i would think you know the people have been really interesting and so you do get a wide variety of of uh of of people from that i mean certainly some of those impacts that were really specific to people the bus network redesign uh negatively affected i, I met a lot of people that were negatively affected and of course if you're negatively affected you're going to talk a lot more than if you're positively affected <laughs> ah, change, right? interesting yeah. so that you know that was a that was uh that was hard for for a number of edmontonians right to to think well we're putting in all this Oh, we got all this money for putting in LRTs, but now I might me and my wheelchair got to go, you know, three blocks to catch a bus, right? right? And 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 so, 
um, you know, that was top of their mind. Of course, then, you know, that stuff comes up. The, I don't know, people have a mixed variety of things that are affected. And some is really local to their street or their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And other people are, it's a more general uh, thing. And, you know, the people have issues, there's there's social issues, of course, and stuff that Mm -hmm. we, um, that were not, um, that were that need attention. I, you know, we're not, uh, For sure. that people feel we're not doing a good enough on, I guess, or whatever. So, and you're never going to no council, no councilman, no mayor is going to make the city perfect for every citizen. That's, right. you know, that's unrealistic, right? Mm-hmm. There's no magic bullet. Oh, we just had this guy, no matter what a politician tells you. Right. We just had this one guy, he would save us or she would save us. Sure. Or whatever, but, know? but, and I think that's so much of what we see in our culture today is the idea that there is a magic bullet for, for any of these problems. But, uh, so what is it then that you, you take, you, you could take all that information back to your council meeting and just, what do you say? Try and do the most good, try and, try and put a, an issue front and center and pursue that as best we can. Well, I think it's about, you know, um, prioritizing and, 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 you know, kind of fighting the battles that you have a chance of winning. Sure. Right. Okay. Um, and so, like I said, there's certain things that are already common past that I'm less than happy about, right. but if they're already gone, they're gone. And, and, you know, we have to just, you know, accept it and move on on some of that stuff. Right. So, uh, it, it definitely, it's going to be a juggling uh, thing, but I'm, uh, I got ADHD. I'm good at multitasking. Oh, <laughs> you can do a million things at once. No, I, can, I like, I like to have, I like to have 10 things on the go. So. That's interesting. Uh, do you do you actually have ADHD, or you just say that no, I, casually? No, I, um, I, you know what? It's it's funny. Um, I I was asked that recently. Have mm-hmm. you ever been clinically? I'm like I've never actually gone to the diagnosis. I fit all. I read the books and I fit okay. all the traits, and so it it suits my thing. But I've never gone for an actual clinical diagnosis. But it it definitely uh, my need for like I like doing different things all the time. Okay, and so it works out well for me in business, especially small sure. business always have something different to do and i don't have to stick on one task for a very long time and i can move on to something else it's uh it works out good for my my um my work that's really interesting that it could actually be a benefit like i'm pretty sure i have some kind of anxiety but that keeps me from ever being able to sit still like i'm always you know schedule a podcast you know work on a project whatever it's like it's actually it's a driving force it can be you know we all have we all have our stuff right Mm -hmm. we all have things about us that make our lives maybe a little bit easier than the next person. Mm-hmm. And we all have things about us that are more, make our lives more challenging than the next person. Mm-hmm. And it's all about how we, you know, how we make those, how we turn some of those things to, to the best benefit for us that we can, right. And recognize it. And that's, you know, everybody has their stuff, right. Yeah. hundred percent. And it is a balancing act. I, when I took a cruise to your page, a lot of what you were talking about was, was to do with, the fiscal mismanagement uh, by yeah. city council didn't see a ton of, and not to, I'm not putting you on sure. the spot. You didn't see a ton of like concern about, or just you didn't mention it, maybe like social issues, homelessness, mental health, whatever, I guess. Do you feel like the fiscal mismanagement is kind of the first step? Like we need to get our spending, we need to get our pocketbook in order, so to speak, and divert funds. Is that kind of the first priority? And then that then filters down to making it a, a livable city in all, in all ways. Yeah. And I, you know what, somebody else asked me about that too. And I mean, I did the website myself mm-hmm. and, um, and so, and I did the best I could. And now I've got, I just recently hired a campaign manager and him and I actually just yesterday had this same conversation and I'm okay. like, should we have 
the social issue stuff on there? Like, am I, is that, am I misrepresenting myself by not having it on there? And people think I don't care. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and so it's kind of a tough balancing act because sure. it's not that, you know, and so for me, um, uh, nobody that knows me would think that I'm someone that doesn't care about social stuff. Like nobody, you know, anyone that knows me will talk all the time about inequities. We'll talk about, you know, mm-hmm. issues with homelessness, with, with, with addiction, with the overdose epidemic. Well, mm-hmm. you know, these are regular conversations that, uh, that I have with people frequently. I have, uh, I have a number of friends in the, in the, um, social work and, and addictions recovery field and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, these are regular um, conversations for me. Part of the problem with with having them on my website is there's people one one like 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 you said, I, I, I we don't take care of the money. We, we if we can't if we can't figure out how to rein in this budget mm-hmm. that keeps ballooning every year, we have to start talking about cuts. And I hate talking about cuts. Right. So so I don't you know, I, I like cutting services and raising taxes is, is, is not my thing. And so how are we going to address these things if we can't take care of the money first as a business guy right the money has to be the conversation first before you talk about what you can do about this money and the other the other part of a lot of the social issues is that i'm not going to lie to you and tell you i have all the answers sure right and so i can tell you the fact that you know our our homeless situation in edmonton has to be addressed better than it is now it's a multi-layered thing and it's not just the city of Edmonton responsibility you have to work of course you know Don Iverson said it many times we need the province and the and the you know the federal government to step up and 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 help with these things of course too the city doesn't have the budget to take care of this stuff on its own Mm -hmm. so certainly we need those things I don't have the answer answer for it Uh, you know the opioid epidemic uh, and and uh, and stuff is another is another uh, concern and I've, I've read uh, some of the literature on uh, on safe supply and um, sure. I I'm uh, I'm not I'm not opposed to it. I haven't gotten enough education to tell you that I'm also not I'm not sure if I'm in favor of it or not. I'm, and so without having that position on it or that knowledge on it, I feel like it's irresponsible for me to. I feel like it's just sending up some virtue signaling flag that, mm. oh, I care about these people, but I don't have an answer. So what, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really that, I'm not going to try to sell you something that I don't have. Right. No. And so definitely need to address those things. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had an answer for them, but it, you know, again, there's no, there's no magic silver bullet for these problems either. Right. They're complex and, and, and um, we definitely need to address them. And I'm, you know, wholeheartedly will put in all my, you know, all the, uh, all the attention that it, that it needs on the council to, to, you know, to working with the other council members to, to on these, on these problems, but on my own, I don't have all the answers. Mm. No, that's interesting. And that's good of you to say that. It's like, I thought I had some answers when I started this podcast back at the start of the year. And what I'm learning by talking to people who actually know about these issues is that I know less than I thought I did, but talking to people who are boots on the ground, like, you know, maybe for you, it's starting to talk to addictions specialists or, or talk to people that work uh, with the homeless and what do solutions look like for them on the ground level? And then maybe you could take that uh, back to council. Yeah. And I mean, so for instance, like when we, we can talk about the, um, the Edmonton convention center mm. and the situation they had over COVID and so from sure. the first responders and social workers and stuff is that that, that program, while it was well intentioned, mm-hmm. 
ended up being quite a disaster. Oh. And there were a lot of, you know, uh, and, and assaults and rapes and all kinds of stuff going on there that, that, mm. that uh, you know, we put a lot of people with mental health and, and issues and stuff into one place and kind of just let that go is that that really, it, it really wasn't, it really wasn't a great answer, even though it, it may have seemed that way on the surface when they mm-hmm. first announced that it, it certainly didn't work out that way. So hmm. that's interesting. Cause I would have thought, well, that's the thing is like, well, okay, just give the homeless people a place to live and that. Well, it's like, no, because not having a place to live is not really the problem necessarily. It's not the, right. it's not the cause. But it's a it's a it's a symptom of the problem, and so you're not really you know you're, it's a good to treat symptoms, but mm-hmm. if you're not a, you know same with the opioid stuff, right? I mean it's good mm-hmm. to treat symptoms, but if we're not if we're not really if we're not talking about why so many people are drug addicts in the society today, mm-hmm. then we're not really fixing it, right? It was like that stupid the failed war on drugs, right? I mean it didn't it didn't a it, it's a, the most abysmal failure of a war ever. Yeah, the drugs won. Never really, it's never really uh, it's never really benefited society to do it. Right. And I get it that there was maybe there were some well-intentioned people on that one. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. I have some mixed feelings on that particular one. But mm-hmm. but uh, but the reality was, is that, you know, we've criminalized, uh, we've criminalized, you know, users of specific drugs, mm-hmm. only specific ones. Other ones are fine. Right. And uh, and and we've created a whole bunch of problems by doing those things. Right. So. Right. Uh, yeah, you're we, right. Oh. People not looking for an escape. Yes, hundred percent. And you're right. You're right. We've criminalized some drugs, and and other ones the government will sell you, or t- at least tax yeah. the sale of them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I guess I understand that supervised consumption and safe supply, what what kind of that umbrella of harm reduction might kind of be the the way forward, and starting to decriminalize. But again, that's really nothing to do with city council <laughs> well i mean the safe consumption or safe supply i know that uh, scott mckean was trying to push that forward mm. uh the safe supply thing mm-hmm. and i'm 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 not uh, i'm not like i said i'm not opposed i'm not opposed to it i just feel like we need to focus our efforts mostly on treatment and on figuring out what we need to do as a society so that people are less prone to drug addiction as opposed to just trying to keep them alive right and and not that they're not worth keeping alive i'm just mm-hmm. I, again, we're addressing symptoms rather than addressing, you know, root causes, right? So. Right. And again, the, the root causes may be too big. Like I've, over the last few years or last year and a half, thinking about COVID, thinking about so-called systemic racism, thinking about all these major issues that seem to be baked into what it is to be human. It's kind of like, I don't think there is a solution, you know? Maybe these conversations are really the only, or the start to the antidote you know, the start to at least understand that these issues are too big to actually solve? Yeah, so if there's no solution to solve it, mm-hmm. then what is it we have to do to make it better? I guess that's I guess that's uh, maybe the better conversation, and that's where, you know, the harm reduction model comes into play. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. I still feel like we need to do more for treatment when it comes to... And to me, that takes away a large, if we are addressing addiction better as a society, mm-hmm. again, it's not just up to the city of Edmonton to address, you know, a drug addiction. Mm-hmm. But if we start addressing addiction better as a society, then, um, you know, perhaps we have that, you know what I mean? It problem takes care of our, a lot of our homeless problem. It takes yep. care of a lot of these, you know, these other issues, right? But if we, you know, we, we have to somehow 
I don't know. We have to somehow look at it. I mean, it's caused us so much issue for so many people. It's such a heartbreaking issue. And then now with this secret fentanyl mm. uh, on board, now it's just causing deaths like crazy, right? Every year it's more and more overdoses and uh, more and more families and people ripped apart. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so I don't, I don't have an answer for the opioid crisis either. Uh, right. You know, the fact that they can make fentanyl in a, in a lab or ship it here from China from UPS, I guess, is, uh, <laughs> you know, CTV did a thing on it and mm-hmm. they were able to just phone someplace in China and order fentanyl and car fentanyl over the phone. So, you know, that's <laughs> how easy it was. Right? They were like, right. how hard is it to get it? Pretty simple. You call and order it and they'll ship it to you by UPS. So wow. our system, you know, <laughs> and so it's, um, yeah, it's a crazy system for sure. Like It is a crazy system. And, that's why I do applaud you for at least taking a step into public life to at least make some kind of a dent in it in some way. Because what I've been saying on this podcast is something like these big, large scale solutions are less likely to me, but maybe if we could start to clean ourselves up on an individual level and then reach out and have a one positive interaction, two positive interactions. So I, when I sat down to think about, well, what issues really matter to me, it would be something like making, um, you know, making psychotherapy available, uh, to everybody, you know, things like that, where we can start to affect change on a personal level. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we, we, for sure, I I mean, it would be nice. I don't know what the, it's tough to say as a policy, if we start saying, okay, well, we're going to subsidize this. We're going to subsidize that. We have to start paying for all these things. So it's up to, you know, it's always, again, it's, there's so many facets of these issues are just so big that it's hard for sure to do that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to it's hard to look and say, oh, this is a perfect solution or whatever, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's maybe we're just doing this as a society. Maybe with a million years, we lived as hunter gatherer tribes before the last 10,000, when we decided to start this thing called the agricultural revolution and, and civilization in general, yep. maybe that was all a big mistake and there is no, and there, yeah, I don't know, maybe. No, I'm, I'm, I saw a meme where it was like the agricultural revolution was the beginning of the end, and I was like, that might be true. That might actually be it. And if not that, then for sure the industrial revolution really put the plan in motion. So maybe, just that, maybe it was just inevitable, though, right? You know what I mean? Maybe it was just inevitable. I don't, I don't know. I mean, right. Because the whole thing know, is I just like reading on the history of human beings and their stuff. I mean, we killed off all the other the Neanderthals and all the other, <laughs> the other sapiens and stuff, right? dude. So maybe long before we ever had invented agriculture, we had done we had done a lot of that, and so maybe our maybe we were just born to destroy ourselves as a as a species. That's entirely possible. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's what life is, right? Maybe it just gets so big, and and because I always I think of it like humans, we run some pretty old software up here, but we're living yeah. in this world that's almost outstripped what we're even capable of understanding what we're yeah. what we're doing to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I read an interesting book uh, called Homo sapiens, actually. And uh, it was a fascinating book. And it talked about, you know, for as best as they can figure what the daily life was like and the level of happiness of, oh, okay. uh, of a person that was, you know, lived in the hunter gatherer tribe. Mm-hmm. And they were no less happy than we are today. Huh. You know, and they worked, they worked less hours. <laughs> and, they, you know, and they had no no stress to keep up with the Joneses or save for retirement or what kind of car they were going to buy. Or, you know what I mean? Like this simplified their things now, you know, I don't know. Right. Well, no, they're probably their only stress was not getting eaten by a saber tooth tiger or something, right? Like, 
yeah for focusing sure. on the here and you know, now infection or, or, or any of those kinds of you know things that would you know they probably had a lower life expectancy or whatever but mm-hmm. you know i don't know so i think that for me it was about uh you know a few years ago when i realized you know more it was important to try to find a way to try to give back and give make your life have some purpose right and mm. so you know this 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 fell into that line of thinking right so that's awesome that's awesome well i noticed uh, i saw a video fed to me by the facebook algorithm that was you out in the river valley kind of i think you're starting some video promotion for yourself yeah we started doing that was our first one we started doing a weekly uh a weekly video again you know getting the opportunity to try to uh have a little bit more interaction than just a, a you know a voice to facebook post or whatever so mm-hmm. you know, me and me and the dog <laughs> we're there all the time yeah. about what we feel the thing so that's awesome. Well, I'm a videographer by trade. So, I mean, you did this for me. I'd be happy if you wanted someday to shoot something a little more professional or, or anything like that. I'd be happy to do it. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I have uh, that. Yeah, for sure. Right. And it was just me and Nico and his phone. So mm-hmm. yeah, but totally. at the same time, people like that too, because it's like, you're not pulling the wool over any, it's like, here's me, yeah. you know, this is just me living my life. Right. So that was the, uh, the dog park there in Terwilliger. Was it? Yeah, that was a Terwilliger dog park. And I know that's not in my ward oh. specifically, but I, I took it for two reasons. I went there. Uh, a, we're there all the time. Mm-hmm. B, um, I wanted to highlight, it was a good place to highlight some spots. The bridge, that Terwilliger footbridge, the other side of it is uh, would be um, my ward. And then yep. and then when we showed the solar farm is in my ward. So it was a way to, I knew the trail oh. that were there, that trail was able to cross the river there. That's That would be my ward. So we were able to highlight uh, those those items. From there, so. Awesome. Well, that's that's I think that's a shared passion of ours. Then is that River Valley? I think that's kind of where I conceived of this podcast was just being out there, enjoying nature, and that's where I connect with people. And it's it's uh, it's a jewel, and it's actually probably the best part of this city. For me, it is for sure. I mean, I'm I'm a real outdoors uh, person. I feel a lot more uh, grounded and connected when mm-hmm. I'm when I'm in uh, in nature and in uh, you know and uh, so I like the, you know, just the dirt single track paths in the trees and, and, um, you know, whether I'm on my mountain bike or I'm, I'm walking, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's my preferred space. When I lived in Calgary, mm. I could drive 45 minutes and be hiking in Kananaskis or skiing and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I could be in the mountains. And when yep. I moved, when I moved back, so I'd lived there for a few years and then I moved back up here and I missed, and I missed that, you know, that to go to the mountains you know for an afternoon and uh and so when somebody said oh you got to check out the river valley i'm like okay and so i bought a bike (laughs) and uh and started uh exploring what edmonton's river valley actually had not just uh you know not just the parking lot so i'm like wow this is really cool and i remember the first time i came across to williger park Mm -hmm. just go you'll see trails forever and and i had um a different dog then right but me and the dog went uh went uh, through there and i'm like this is like the best <laughs> this is the best this is the best thing ever and of course now with phones and the trail forks app yeah. i can keep my uh, i can keep my mountain bike in the back of the truck and if we have an hour to spare i can just jump off and go go nice. for a ride um you know through in the middle of the day or whatever and, and, it, and it's fine new places to explore and i just like that ability to be in the city but not feel like you're in the city for sure. There's times, there's places you can be where you look around and you can't believe you're actually in the middle of a city. You're, you know, it's, 
Yeah, and we come across one time my kids and I were there and we got this the tiny that deer must have been like two days old, this tiniest wow. little deer took off and then the little deer froze because it I, I guess just instinct or whatever. Don't mm -hmm. move so the predator doesn't see you, I sure. guess, or whatever. Right. And this tiny little, you know, and wow. so you get to come across stuff like that, which is you know, which is super cool, right? So, Absolutely. I've had a fair few run ins with beavers down there too, which is <laughs> Yeah. You know, you gotta it's, watch beaver. Yeah. Totally. It's it's a jungle out there. Yeah. That's that's interesting though. Have you had any con uh, communication with the River Valley Alliance? Do you know about them at all? I've left that alone because that's Sarah's. Um, uh, Sarah Hamilton. She's part of that, and so I purposely I didn't want to um, because I'm running against her. Mm. I didn't want to cause any, so I just left that alone. Okay. No problems. I, I had uh, their executive director and one of their communications people on the podcast about a month ago. And I really love that idea that they're doing of trying to, you know, it's not unlike the transit debacle where they're just trying to make the river Valley more connected for everybody and more yeah. Uh, accessible. Yeah. And I think that, I think that that is the best thing. Like the more, when I did that video last week, I didn't know how many people said, Oh, I had no idea we had this here. In wow. Like, seriously have to check this out. Like it really is it really is the and there's parts of it that are more you know you get close to downtown and along river valley road and stuff like that they're definitely more traffic but when you get to mm. these outer places oh, you know i mean they're they're fantastic and all you know i mean you could bike down there you could you know there's there's not there's not as many i wish we had i know there's still a car centered city and so it'd be nice if we had a little few more places where you could park and get in there for people that don't live anywhere near the river mm. valley to be able to still experience it not Maybe not so much parking in the river valley, but at least if there was parking on the top and the trail down or something like. Yeah, yeah. If there was some kind of shuttle, almost maybe to get people. Just, some, just something so that people could people could experience it a little bit more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's. I think you have to push that. But then the balance, like I was in Laurier Park one day in June on a Sunday, and it was like packed beyond what it could accommodate. But but you know what's cool? So I live I live right there, right? And so we go down. You know what I love seeing when I go down to Laurier Park? And I'm going to do one of my videos on, on Laurier Park. Is that every, uh, again, every uh, type, you know, every group in Edmonton mm -hmm. is represented down there. I 100%. love seeing how people that have immigrated here or that are, you know, not from here have taken on uh, what is a, you know, fantastic thing about Edmonton and Alberta culture, which is you have a picnic in the park. What's more Edmontonian than going down <laughs> to the river and, and throwing a ball around or a Frisbee and, and, and having a, you know, cooking the hot dog, mm -hmm. uh, taking a bike ride. And I, I, you know, I mean, I'm down there and, and there's, there's people that it's, it's, you know, it's clear that it, 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 uh, English is their second language and mm -hmm. they're fairly new and, and whatever. And I'm like, they just embrace that side of our of our culture, and I, for me, like when I see that, I love seeing that. I love seeing. I love it that it's hard for me to find a spot to be down. <laughs> How well used it is, right? And so, uh, you know, I, to me, those things are great. Like it's such a nice thing about our city. It's such a, it, you know, that when people come here and they embrace it. Because I'm also a hockey parent, mm. and so. When I see people that are new to Canada coming and learning, just taking their kids to learn, they've never skated before mm. and they're teaching their kids to skate or their kids are in hockey or, 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 or whatever. I'm like, ah, just adopting that Canadian um, thing, right? With, mm -hmm. with uh, sports and outdoors and being outside. And I feel like those are real Canadian 
and cultural things that are fantastic. And I love seeing people adopt that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You should do a video down there and because that, that day I was down there, I think I looked around, I was like, I, I think as a white guy, I think I'm in the minority here and this is awesome. You know, it's like, yeah, we isn't can, that great? It is like put all the racial stuff aside. All the issues is like, yeah. it's just people being human down there, you know? Yeah. And everybody's together. No, there's no problems or issues or whatever. Everybody's there and together. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, man, this just symbolizes what Canada can be. Right. Yes. That's, that's what I, that's what I really liked about that. And this is why, and if this is coming at you out of left field, it's okay. But this sure. is why I'm having a, a real personal issue with a lot of that, what you're seeing about cancel Canada day and this idea that our country was founded on the back of a, a genocide, which probably is not an unfounded claim, but I think to then to tear down all of what Canada is and, and the prosperity that it's made for a lot of people is, is wrong. I, I do believe that. And I talked to someone who said, you can't, you cannot be a proud Canadian period. I said, well, I, okay, that's fine. If that's your point of view, but that this is a country that has uh, improved life for a lot of people as well. And it's a hard debate to have. It's a hard, it's a hard topic to have. I mean, I kind of stride away from it. I have mm. a similar uh, view of yours. I just stay away. And I feel like it's a sensitive time. And so I kind of feel like it, it's best to just, I, I, I share mm. the, um, the opinion. Like we can make, we don't have a, a you know, pristine history, of course. And we, we've certainly, you know, and I, I mean, I, I learned about, I, you know, again, the residential school thing. I mean, I learned about that, um, back in 07, I had no idea that we were, and then when you heard about it, you kind of thought, oh, this is something we did, you know, in the 1800s sure. or something we did a hundred years ago. And so to find out that that's not the case, that we were kidnapping children, um, you know, and, 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 you know, whatever, like, you know, up into the nineties, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, well, it, it is. I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have um, not shied away from that conversation since I learned it with my kids that mm-hmm. they, you know, I, and I'm pretty blunt about the language, right? You know, the state was, the, the, the government was kidnapping kids mm-hmm. and sending them away. That's, that's the truth of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, and then, and then amongst all the stuff that happened. And so for me, um, I guess I've, always been a little surprised since that point till now that nobody's made enough of a big deal of it like it's mm. just kind of been been you know washed over so much so part of me when i heard about like they're fine like when i heard when I'll, I'll be honest with you when i first heard about the when i read the article on facebook about those first you know the, the graves they found sure the first kids the 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 I was, I thought I was reading an old article. I'm like, well, this is old news. Mm-hmm. And so I was surprised at the level of surprise by people, mm. you know, because like I said, for me, it's been, it's been, you know, 14 years since I heard it. And so mm-hmm. I've, I've always, up until now, I've always been kind of shocked that we're not more kind of appalled by the fact that we did that. Right. And <laughs> I also had my, uh, one of my exes, her, her, uh, her grandma was, was one of the, people that was raised in one of the Japanese internment camps in mm. Canada. We did that too. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we don't have this, we don't have this uh, spotless clean history. And so it, uh, you know, it's, it's important to recognize that and acknowledge that. And we should be outraged that that, that, that stuff went on. Mm-hmm. However, we have what we have today. We're all here. Our multicultural society has benefited people. greatly. We've had people come from, all different parts of the world. We have people come from all different walks of life. We have opportunity here 
that uh, that that is better than than many other parts of the world. There's so many. There's there are so many. The the country we have created, while far from perfect, mm-hmm. is still a pretty awesome place. And 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 you know not not to take away from the people that have been disenfranchised and and you know and put mm-hmm. upon for doing that. We we still there's no reason why uh, we can't still be proud of the country we have today and of where you know we're we're headed right mm-hmm. I mean we're still headed in a better direction than we were in so mm-hmm. you know I don't think we spend enough time being grateful for 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 what we have and where we're going we're focused a little too much on the negative all the time and we don't we don't spend enough time writing a gratitude list about why Canada's, you know, the things that are Canada that are cool, we spend without saying, oh, we need to fix this and fix that. I'm not saying they don't need to be fixed, but, mm-hmm. you know, we look at things on, on balance. I mean, most of the people that come to Canada are pretty glad that we've got the country we have because there are opportunities for life here are better from where they came from. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have to look at things as a full picture on balance. And so, um, well, I understand the kind of rawness of this particular Canada Day, and I just kind of let it slide. I didn't mm. make a comment on it. I just, you know, I expected that people were hurt, and they heard about this. I'm hoping that by, um, you know, that by next year, Canada Day, that the newness of that has kind of wore off. We mm. maybe started enacting on these on the the, the truth and reconciliation uh, recommendations, and and we we're doing a better job with that. That it's not a big as big a news story. Um, you know, the, 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 the shock value is gone mm-hmm. and people start recognizing that, hey, we're moving in the right direction, you know, and, and let's make if Canada's not the place that you would like it to be, then let's work on on making it that way. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's well said. I Because show me a country that isn't built on war and genocide like that's how humans have staked out their their boundaries typically is like, you know, like. And so then you're, you're also very privileged to be able to speak out against it because some of the people that are coming to Canada wouldn't be able to even say yeah, that. hundred percent. I mean, the fact that we're, the fact that we're allowed to even, we're in a country where you can have that conversation mm-hmm. about the things that are bad about the country or about the stuff we've done is, a, is, is a, you know, a privilege. It just shows you what we've got as a country in, in general, because there are a lot of places in the world where you would not be able to have that conversation without being arrested or censored or Right. Right. And yeah, and I agree. I I agree with what you said too. It's like, you have to look at the whole picture on balance and that seems to be what we're getting away from. Like when I speak to people who are more, I would say progressive activist types, and it's just, it's like, I'm fine if that's your view, but also my question then is, so what, like, what then are we going to do about, because we cannot change the past, obviously. Um, it's okay to be outraged if outrage means you're looking for change, but if sure. it's outrage just for the sake of being outraged, then it really has no, it doesn't have any real value, right? Yep. So, I mean, if it sparks change and you want to start working towards something that makes it better, then that's great. But let's just talk about solution rather than just the outrage. So I feel like it's a more productive conversation to talk about solutions. Yep, I agree. Although, and there's a certain amount of outrage that that does incite change. You're right. It's like, maybe we yeah. do have to just go hard and, and, and yes, they kidnapped and raped the kids. Let's think about that for a little while before we, yeah. you know, let that go. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. How are you doing for time? Do you have another 15 minutes? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And then I've got to actually meet my oldest daughter is in town here. I go and meet her for lunch. Oh, right on. Right on. Where are you going to go? 
What's your what's your local spot? <laughs> well, she's 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 got her little girl with her. We're going to Boston Pizza, so that's <laughs> right on. Hey, that's an that's an Edmonton institution, isn't it? Isn't that uh, fat, that's my kids like Boston Pizza, so we <laughs> that's that's where we go. That's all good. They, you know what? They got a good menu. You could have a variety. You can find something you'll like on that menu. It's thorough enough. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, yeah. So you're, this is interesting that the Edmonton the wards in Edmonton are getting rearranged on election night. Like, is that correct? That's confusing for people. I wish they had a. I wish they had have instituted the ward uh, name and the boundary change a year ago or something like that because I feel like it would have been they could have got people. Maybe it would still be confusing. I don't know. Maybe because people don't really pay enough attention. I, either way, I've had to spend a lot of time explaining even the the name because now and mm. so in my ward uh, used to be Ward Five, mm. and then yes, I guess I wish they would have just changed the name because instead on the bylaws they've now called it ward seven they've included some stuff that was ward one and now it's and now they've and and it's uh called um uh, window walk and so sure it uh it a lot of people i have gotten some people i'm not in ward seven Can yeah tell you are now? <laughs> well yeah it was news to me i thought i was in ward five and then your your mail out came to my house and i was like okay yeah. gotta look into this <laughs> yeah yeah so it, it you know it's changed i mean people will get used to it i guess yeah for sure um well, is that part of the problem then? Is like mass informing people on a mass level is actually just probably impossible, like to do it well? Well, it probably is. I mean, you know, even because even with today's media and, and social media and, mm-hmm. and, and internet and computers and whatever, is that they still have to be paying attention, right? Yeah, so, they, they still have to care. <laughs> I, it's so, good. Yeah, go uh, on. Yeah, a lot of people just probably didn't notice, right? So. Right. It's well. It's good that I double checked because I was gonna open with the joke about you and Tony Canarina, but then he, you're not oh. you're not running against him, so now no, I'm not gonna I'm make the same joke. Sarah. Right. Yeah. I was gonna say you and you and Tony in a fist fight, but then I can't say you and Sarah in a fist fight. I'd be canceled. Uh, no, I don't think so. She, <laughs> she's yeah, feisty no. though. She's probably feisty. I <laughs> Are there? I guess one thing I I'm trying to get clear in my head is like you represent your ward. You're part of the city. So then are there certain issues that you sort of, you have to prioritize issues, like you said, are there, are there issues then in this part of the city where, you know, downtown is not really part of the ward, right? So are there more, are there, what then, what does it look like to you then? Or what's important to the people? So, I mean, common stuff throughout the ward, right? The common issues throughout the ward are, uh, there's a, the mature neighborhoods are, Mm -hmm. are, have a lot of concern over how we're doing redevelopment and rezoning, right? Sure. And they want to they want to maintain the character and the feel of the stuff at the ward. And I feel like we don't uh, we're pretty uh, the city's pretty heavy handed in their in their approach to change. Right. They mm-hmm. they don't they don't I don't feel like we do enough collaboratively to work with the uh, with the existing neighborhoods and and have them uh, you know have their in, take their input into account enough when we make decisions for them. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, there's that in, in some of the older neighborhoods of of the ward. I, I mean, certainly there's uh, there's uh, road repair and traffic uh, infrastructure right. uh, issues in the ward. There's uh, there is the um, the busing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, issues um, in the ward, which is which is pretty common. So all those things, I would for sure be uh, trying to trying to address. I found that most of those concerns were concerns I had, mm. and 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 they're shared by a large, a large percentage of the people in the world. So that's easy for me. And then, uh, and then it's just a matter of keeping an open, I, you know, what I, I love is Andrew Mack's, uh, public engagement. 
and uh, I, I asked him, how do you do it, right? And uh, and he stays active in all the community leagues. He door knocks even when it's not an election. He's always he's always uh, talking to people in in his board and always getting their input and their um, feedback. And so I feel like that is going to have to be a large part of the job, right? Staying yeah. in touch, returning calls, returning emails, you know, uh, messages, whatever, and, and mm-hmm. staying in tune to what you know that what people are after, right? that's interesting it's got me thinking like for the most part you and the incumbent probably don't disagree on too much so then what sets it apart for you to for you ultimately to win is it just seeing enough people well we disagree on how much on how much uh on how important of course profits are (laughs) oh okay go on we are definitely uh far apart on on prioritizing a multi-billion dollar company's uh profits over the citizens are you talking about Uh, the solar farm or, or something else and the solar farm and the high and the high voltage lines that run across a park here in Linwood and the uh you know uh, those those kinds of things right interesting and, so and she's, we've she's... Had no we've had no um no interest from her in going to bat over us and huh. uh and 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 the decisions seem to be made based on on what's the most profitable situation for epcor and that was a big reason i'm running okay uh, we disagree on that West Valley LRT okay. uh, line. Um, there was also, again, with the with the uh, bus routes, um, with the bus routes that uh, that got cut. I know she initially voted against uh, passing it, but once it got passed, there was a motion to suspend it because there was going to be some problems. Hmm. And uh, and John Zadek had uh, put in a motion to send she she voted against that. Um, and, and again, I know that it caused a lot of people hmm. a lot of problems. Um, there is the in the city plan. There's a lot of language that um, they don't want to call it a war on cars, but there's certainly a lot of language that artificially increases the cost of driving. And I feel like that uh, unfairly burdens people of a lower income uh, by doing that. And and I'm I'm, I'm opposed to uh to that plan uh as much as i like we talked earlier i know that people have to have to um we have to go to a system where not everybody is driving everywhere in a car every day you know that's unsustainable that model Mm -hmm. and i accept that but i feel like the solutions were a little we differ a little on the solutions to that you know and so that's that's about it the other um i don't want to bash sarah hamilton and i'm sure she's a great person and i don't want to bash her but I it's have a lot of feedback from from people in the neighborhood, and I I've tried a couple of times to send emails. They don't get returned, hmm. and other people. And I just and I just feel like that's another public engagement and 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 responding to the people in the ward. I feel like is is something that's um, required of the of the counselor, and yep. and I don't and I'm not happy with the job that she's um, done on that. And so those are the reasons I'm running. And those are kind of the things that that's where we, you know, that's where we uh, differ on, on those. Okay. Things. Right. Well, that's my fault for not doing better research then. <laughs> that's all right. No, it's fine. I mean, I'm sure like I voted for her. Me too. I think I yeah. thought that she was going to be a, a kind of more, you know, centrist, more, you know, for the people for there's part of the river Valley Alliance. So I never would have guessed she'd voted for that safe solar farm. Uh, and, well, that makes and, no sense. You know, right. And so, uh, and again, we, you know, there was the high speed lines and uh, it, they're the high, not the, uh, the high voltage lines over the park. Um, 
and they just didn't want to put the financial burden on Epcor to put those underground. I'm like, <laughs> of course, profits are $750 million a year. You know, so, why should it be, you know, I mean, and we have a city, we're supposed to have a city regulation that mandates that they support those things get huh. put under. And we've already established that and we didn't enforce our own regulations on Epcor and yet. And then there was say, well, we could have, we could have proposed that the neighborhoods uh, uh, that are effects uh, pay, you know, pay a, a levy to, to cover the additional cost on it. And I think, okay, as a private small business, right, who makes far less than anything uh, Epcor makes, mm. uh, if you guys put in a new a new restriction or or whatever on construction in the city, well, I have to eat that cost. Now, I, there's no tax, there's no city plan, there's nobody that's going to say, oh, well, it's unfair to put that financial burden on on uh, on these uh, individual construction companies and uh, we're certainly not going to tax the citizens so that the construction companies can start making more profit but no trouble doing it for Epcor and I'm like Epcor is the biggest one of the office so why are they why are they specially exempt from having to take on the financial burden of improved regulations that help society do you have a sense? Like, is it just on her part? Is it just the path of least resistance? Like you don't want to go to war with Epcor so it's like ah well let them have at it. I don't know. You'd have to ask her that question. Yeah. I'd like to, I, I wish I'd known this and talked about it an hour ago, but I appreciate you bringing it up. No, not, not a problem. And is the solar farm the same thing then? Like, because again, river Valley Alliance is all about was chosen by Epcor. Epcor was given and they wanted to add solar into it, which is a good idea. Epcor didn't, which is, you know, which is fine. Right. But there's way better places to add solar. And so they were given evidence oh, yeah experts on on the best way to add solar to a municipality mm-hmm. and but the best thing we can do is change our regulatory environment so that people so that there's more incentive for individuals businesses and homeowners to add solar we have we could put solar panels throughout every parking lot in the city especially if we're going to have this onslaught of electric vehicles why shouldn't they have solar panels all throughout west Edmonton mall or home depot so you can plug in your car and drive and then and and then there's some economic benefit for for those companies to put those in. Perhaps they could charge you for the charging time or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And and there's better if there's better uh, regulatory environment that helps to get private investment into solar. That's where you see the most solar investment in any municipality. And they were told this, hmm. but Epcor chose the location because it was the cheapest for them because they already have the the the, the lines that run on the other side of the Henday. Uh, uh-huh. They already have the main lines that run through there and the, and the EL Smith. A water treatment plant down there so they put it there it's a place they can't even expand the size of it only powers 1600 homes it's it's almost negligible what it does wow. and and uh and and nobody nobody fucked that so you'd have to ask each individual person why they made the decision they made. sarah's got a whole blog about it but it's just oh should give that a read yeah if you want i find it <laughs> A little, sure. little dry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but feel free to read it. <laughs> sure, because I understand, like, me as an individual homeowner could put solar panels on my house and actually sell excess energy back into the grid. Yeah, and the regulatory environment kind of sucks, though. Okay. So because you have to pay for the connection, you're not allowed to have batteries, and uh, and you also have to pay for the service hookup fees. So the amount that you end up getting paid, and remember, solar is really only good in the summer. Right. And so what you're getting paid, you don't, your solar panels won't, won't uh won't keep your enough power for you to run in the winter when our climate mm-hmm. and so the amount that you and you legally in a house in the city has to be connected to the grid and so okay and the amount that you end up having to pay your payout on getting solar if we put it on your rooftop is roughly a, a, a 20-year payout or whatever right 
but 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 Transalta or these big corporations can build solar farms and solar fields, and their and their payout, their capital cost payout is is down around that ten year mark. Mm-hmm. So why can't we have a regulatory environment that you get paid back for your solar in ten years, and then after that you you receive some profit from it and helps, and people would invest in it like crazy. If they said, oh, a ten year payout, that makes sense, right? right. I'm gonna, I was just going to, you know, the panels are going to be good for 20 to 25 years. And, and, uh, and I'm going to get 10 years on paid back after that. I'm going to, I'm going to profit from having these things. People would invest in that. So our regulatory environment sucks for that. So. Hmm. That's good to know. That's good information for people. I wanted to throw two more at you before I let you go. Uh, when I read that city council decided to freeze the property tax as someone who's not that paying that much attention that to me sounds like a blatant ploy for re-election did you read that that yeah, way so it's, it, it's also a boy it's also a play on words anyway ah. so they froze the mill rate for uh for uh residential but not for multifamily residential or for businesses oh so the apartments and stuff like that they still have to pay uh they still have to pay more mm-hmm. right their mill rate went up and uh and and then they tacked on then they just looked at tacking on a bunch of other fees and stuff for different things that you have to do so they're making more they're still getting their budgets gone up mm. they're still getting more money from you that money has got to come from someone so just because they froze the mill rate mm. they, still, they still increased another hundred million dollars they have to get on their budget from last year so they you know they didn't really freeze taxes they just converted sure. it interesting well that's also good to know i the other the last one is um Okay, because we see that supposed freeze in property tax, and then there's a, a decrease in the amount of funding that the province gives to municipalities. Obviously, that money has to be made up somewhere, so that makes a lot of sense. And it's not cutting the people that clean the buses either. Like that's not going to do it. Yeah, I mean, we are, and again, there's so much to go through, right? Our mm-hmm. our wages in our city have ballooned up 85 percent over the last eight years, right? You know, our salaries. Uh, for the city, you know, and, and that's, it's, it's such an excessive amount of, of why does it cost us so much more? And, and, and realistically, it's, it's a deep dive into line by line through budgets, through committees, where we're at, where we can save. I mean, we've got an excessively high level of management versus employees in Edmonton, mm. more than other municipalities, right? When we have our percentages is really high. Mm. And so certainly we've got to look at some of those things. I mean, there's, there's, it's about it's about um, it's about taking the time to go through and really analyze where we're where we're spending this money and where we can make cutbacks. And I'm also not opposed to. I don't know why nobody's ever thrown it out there before. Remember years ago when the when the uh, airlines were offering their employees, if you come up with an idea that saves us money, we'll give you we'll give you whatever percentage of that savings for the first year we implement it, sure. right? And then we get all the savings after that because the people on the ground are the ones that go, this is where we waste so much money this year. And one guy said, if we stop putting olives in the salad, we'll save whatever, <laughs> whatever <laughs> sure. that was. And they yeah, saved, yeah. that guy paid, got paid like, you know, a couple hundred grand because that's what he saved them in their first year. And so I'm also not opposed to having that as a program for city employees, right? You know, sure. We need to make the money. And if you see a place where we can make cuts and you institute that cut, we'll pay you whatever, make it something, right? If we institute that program over multiple years and we have to give you a portion of that savings, we've still saved the money. Mm. And then the following year, we get the full savings. And it's real incentive for the person on the ground to, to chip in for these cost-saving measures, right? Right. And like we've been talking about, this 
city of Edmonton as a corporation is too big to really understand thoroughly, even if you go through the budget line by line. So why not target people who are, you know, boots on the ground? Why not? We have $1.5 billion worth of staff, so we should be able, they should be able to help us out find some savings, right? 100%. Well, I'll leave it there, Derek. I really appreciate the time. Uh, this was a good conversation, at least on my end, so I do appreciate it. Yeah, this is great. Thank you very much. Uh, anything else you can reach out and ask for sure. So I'd Appreciate be more than happy to do this another time as well. Okay. Maybe uh, after you win, we'll talk. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Let's do that. Beautiful. Okay. Again, Derek, thanks. Enjoy your lunch and uh, best of luck on the campaign. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to the North Bank Media Podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, please subscribe on YouTube and give us a like. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe as well and leave a five-star review.